Okay, good morning, Northies. It's great to see you again this week. Been hanging out all week to be at church with you all. And uh, I wish I could see you, but I can't see you. But I'm imagining you in my mind. Last week, Samuel kicked off a new series called uh, A New Way of Living, part of our New Day series. And uh, he introduced the concept of Jesus full of grace and truth. And I want to kind of continue that a little bit this week. And uh, we're going to go back and look at the same passage that um, Samuel introduced. But I want to go one verse more and introduce the concept of Jesus as the unique son. And so if you're ready, we're going to go to John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. We're going to pray and ask Jesus to help us. And, uh, and then we'll get straight into it. Father, we thank you again for the ability to gather together via this, uh, this modern medium that has allowed us to uh, not miss a beat as far as church is concerned, even though we've been a little bit confined uh, in our homes, etc. So, Father, we ask that your presence, which is never confined, would be again with us. Lord, you promise that wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, we gather together in your name, Jesus Christ, today. Lord, we ask that you would come by your spirit and presence yourself with us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Uh, I don't, there's a couple of things I don't like about it, but there's one word I really wanted to focus on. And so that's, uh, that's why I picked it today. So it says, The Word became human or flesh and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That, of course, is the same words that are translated grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. From his abundance, we've all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness, God's grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And here's the verse I want to focus on this morning. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, the unique one is himself God and is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. This is a really interesting word, monogenes, and it means the one of a kind. And, uh, and Jesus is, is one of a kind, the unique one, the only begotten of God some other translations use. But it's so much more than that. It's unique in every kind of way. And I, and I want to look at this a little bit this morning. What makes Jesus unique? What makes him the unique one? The Bible says, John says, he uses this word, this one of a kind. We met this one of a kind man. And uh, what is it about Jesus that makes him one of a kind? Well, I've got a number of things here and I'm just going to go through them. Number one, Jesus was uniquely born of a virgin. Isaiah said in Isaiah 7, 14, and the virgin will conceive, this will be my sign to you regarding the Messiah. The virgin will conceive and bear a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God's God with us. Nobody else has ever been born of a virgin. Now, I'm sure over the years there have been women that have said, I don't know, it must have been an angel. But I don't think they got away with it. In fact, Mary barely got away with it. Her husband, uh, Joseph, or her husband-to-be, found out she was pregnant. Now, he knew how it all worked, and he knew he hadn't been involved. And so he, he decided he was going to just quietly 
put her away, the Bible says, whatever that means. But uh, he, he got a visit from the same angel and said, listen, it's true. Joseph, the, the baby she's carrying is being born uh, by the Holy Spirit coming upon her. So, so he will be called the son of God. So he was uniquely born of a virgin. Number two. He was uniquely begotten by God. Uh, in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the only son that proceeded from God himself. Uh, and he, the Bible goes on to say that he, he opened up or he, he was the firstborn of many brethren. And we all now uh, have the capacity to be God's children according to John chapter 1. So he was uniquely born of a virgin. He was uniquely begotten by God. Thirdly, he's unique in relationship. John 1.18, we saw it there. The unique one that is close to the Father's heart. One other translation says he's in the bosom of God or the where they get that from. It's got to do with the folds of his tunic. And, and uh, when, when people in ancient times would wear a tunic and it'd have folds and they used to keep their precious gear, like, you know, their mobile phone and their car keys and that sort of stuff. They would keep those things in the fold of their garment or the, the word that's translated bosom. And, uh, and it's like that we keep the precious things in our heart. So Jesus is unique in relationship with the Father. Number four, he was unique in miraculous works. In John chapter 9, 32, there's this amazing story of when Jesus healed the blind man, the, the man had been born blind. And the Pharisees gave him a hard time and grilled him and, uh, and said to him, you know, why have you believed in this guy? None of us have believed in it. And uh, the blind man said, look, I don't know where you guys are at, but since the beginning of time, nobody's ever heard of anyone that healed somebody that was born blind. And he did it. You know, I'm just going to go with him because you guys can't do any of that sort of stuff. So unique and miraculous works. And uh, fifthly, Hebrews 4.15 says he was unique in his sinless life. Romans tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It could say in brackets, but one. Because Hebrews says that he is a high priest to us and we have this high priest that's been tested in every way, the same as us, yet without sin. So Jesus is unique in that he has a sinless life. And he's unique in his substitutory death. Romans 5, 7 and 8 says that someone may die for a good person. Not sure if it had happened. But Jesus was unique in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. So he was unique in his substitutionary death. And lastly, uh, he's unique by his resurrected life. Um, Acts chapter 17 and verse 31 says that uh, in the last day, God has appointed a man who will judge the earth. And he verified this man. He verified him by raising him from the dead. No one has ever done that before, raised themselves from the dead. Jesus was unique by his resurrected life. He's a unique one, but more than that, he's the God-exalted one. Jesus declared himself greater than Jonah. He declared himself greater than Solomon in Matthew 27. And Hebrews said he's actually superior to Moses. But God went even further. 
in uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, it says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be Lord and Messiah. In Philippians chapter 5 and verse 9, Paul says that because Jesus humbled himself, God therefore elevated him or exalted him to the place of highest honour and gave him a name that's above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. And then thirdly, it pleased God for Jesus to have first place or supremacy or preeminence in all things. Colossians 1 and verse 18 says, so that he would have first place in everything. God was pleased to have all of himself live in Christ. And this is one of the amazing things that that God actually contained himself, bottled himself up and filled Jesus with himself so that Jesus could actually come and reveal God to us in a very meaningful way because he contained the very essence of God himself. So what does all this mean? Jesus is the unique one. He's the the one that's been exalted to the highest place. He's the one that has supremacy. You might say, well, you know, that's kind of nice. It's just Bible stuff. And, uh, you know, it's a great thought that, you know, Jesus is like that. And what does it mean to us? Well, it really means quite a great deal because there's a couple of occasions in in the New Testament where Jesus says something quite outrageous for the day and quite outrageous for the Jewish faith. He actually said, come to me. He said, come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. If you're weary, come to me and I will give you rest. He said to the Pharisees, you know, guys, you search the scriptures hoping to find in them eternal life, but you won't come to me because I'm the one that has life. The Bible says that God placed, he had life in himself And he was able to give life to whoever whoever he wished. Jesus said, come unto me. And because of this, Jesus rightly invites us to come unto him. You know, as we approach this this concept of a new day and and beginning to move into new things, one of the things um, that's really important is that we, we move into those new things through Christ. The only way we can enter into newness of life is to enter in through Christ. The only way we can can live out and walk out this new life is we need to come unto him who's called us. You know, Jesus didn't say, come and join my movement. He didn't say, come and adopt my philosophy. He didn't say, come and embrace my ideals. And the reality is, All of us at some point have have done those things. In fact, many of us came to be involved with the church and with church life because of those things. Many of us did not come to Christ at the first instance. I remember I I joined a youth group. I started going and singing in a choir as as a result of just going to a church camp one time. And uh, it probably took me three or four years before I actually came to Jesus. I actually came to Christ. I had a moment where I realized that I needed a savior and that savior was Jesus. Some of us have have come to Christ because we believed in his philosophies. And I'm sure there were people that came to Jesus when he was preaching and his words resonated with him, with them. 
And uh, in fact, some of them came and the words resonated. But when it, when it came to the place where they said, come to me, they went, hang on. No, we're not looking for a savior. We were looking for something else. But Jesus says, I don't want you to come to my movement. I want you to be part of my movement, but don't come to my movement. I don't want you to come to my philosophy because I want you to step further than my philosophy. Let's be, let's be honest. Most of us will agree with Jesus' philosophy in as much as it agrees with ours. And, uh, and you know, we've all had that moment where we've read something in the scriptures or we've heard something from the pulpit and we've gone, ah, I don't know if I believe that. You know, those things are the, what we need to work through as we come to Christ and say, God, I've, I've got a, a series of ideas and a series of thinking that are not consistent with what you're saying. We need to have a talk about it. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. There's a story in the, the uh, New Testament in, in Acts chapter seven, uh, 19, and it's talking about the sons of Sceva. And you, you'll know this story, you'll be familiar with it. Some of you uh, who might be watching today, you may not have, have read this in the Bible, but what it was, was uh, there was a number of uh, people in, in the book of Acts in the, in the early days of the church that went about casting out evil spirits from people. And there were these seven sons of a priest called Sceva, who decided that they would do that. And so what they did is they attempted to cast an evil spirit out of a person and they said, we, we command you in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. They didn't have a first-hand relationship, but they liked the idea of being able to set people free. You know, great, great motive. But the, the man with, that was possessed by the spirit said, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? And the reality is, is as, as we go forward this year and, you know, as we go into possess and as we go into to define new, new ways of living that, that are based on Christ, we can't do it without first coming to him. You know, in, um, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, it says that everything flows from him. Everything we receive, everything we are as believers, everything we, we do in ministry life. In fact, it says he makes the whole body fit together and unites it through the support of every joint. As each, uh, each and every part does its job, he makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Everything that we do as a church, everything we do as believers comes because we're connected to Jesus. In fact, there's two passages, this one in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 and another kind of almost parallel passage in Colossians chapter 2, but it talks the opposite. Whereas this one's saying as we're connected to Christ, there is a flow of ministry, there's a flow of love, there's a flow of uh, power and anointing and Holy Spirit. In Colossians, it talks about people who have become disconnected from Jesus. And it says that their religion loses its power, loses its love, loses all the hallmarks that made it so powerful. And it, and it resolves down into something that's just religion, talking about not eating and not doing and special days and all this kind of stuff. And we can see how that happens. So this morning, as we, as we finish, as we close... Uh, I'm going to pray. I'd like us to stand. I believe the guys are going to come back and sing a song about Jesus. And um, what I'd like us to do is right where you are in, the, in, the, in your homes and, and as you're watching, if you, if you could, would you stand with me today? I'd, I'd like us to stand before the presence of Jesus Christ. 
and say, Lord Jesus, we, we want to come to you this morning. We want to establish ourselves firmly upon who you are as the unique Son of God. And then as the guys come in and begin to lead us in that song, um, would we remain standing and just worship Jesus this morning? Lord Jesus Christ, we know from time to time we operate very disconnected. But God, we don't want to do that because it's a new day and we want to move into all that the new day has for us. Lord, you have a life. You offer us a new way of living. God, a Jesus way of living. And we want to, we want to receive and be a part of all that, that that offers. And so today, God, we stand together and we say, Lord Jesus Christ, we believe in you. Lord Jesus Christ, we receive you and receive your sacrificial gift. We receive your gift of salvation. Lord, we ask you this morning to fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. God, that we would go forward into this new day in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week.